0: Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, May 9th, 2018. We're coming to you live from Harlem in New York City for another podcast of Guys Guys Radio. This is number 281 of Guys Guys Radio. Now, Guys Guys Radio is the place where when men and women can be their best, everyone wins. You know, I, the name of the show is Guys, Guys Radio, but it's not a bro show. It's not about beer and boobs and football, though I like beer and boobs and football, but it's not about that. It's really about finding ways where men and women can both win, can be at their best. As you know, it all started with my novel, The Guys, Guys, Guide to Love, about two men in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. And that begot Guys, Guys Radio and my website, com, where I've posted my syndicated column with over 300 articles about life, love and the pursuit of happiness on guys, guys, radio. We have guests like wellness experts, dating experts, relationship experts, sports experts, entertainers, comedians, spiritual teachers, psychics, channel channelers, anything that can help out the cause. We want men to be there at their best and we want men and women to win. So, Tonight we have a special show and a special guest, Dr. Saida DeSalle. I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. Um, we're going to talk about sexual sovereignty. Um, she's a thought leader and a body philosopher. We're going to bring her on in a few minutes, and we're going to talk about her work uh, with women and having, helping them take full ownership of themselves, their bodies, and their sensual and sexual nature. And it's a very timely show. I haven't really uh addressed the whole Me Too thing uh, issue and movement. And it's so uh important that we on a show that is listened to both by men and women that we, we get around to talking about this. I wanted to take some time. It's interesting. I wrote my uh novel, A Guy's Guy's Guy to Love, and one of the main characters is a is a womanizer. But he's kind of, a, if you will, he's kind of a likable womanizer in that he never forces himself on anybody women actually come to him and you know, that's true. There, there are a lot of guys that are just super charismatic and they just, uh, like to live life. Um, and I started to work on the sequel and it was all going to be about this, this particular character. And then I decided, uh, I read the articles on Harvey Weinstein and everything that was going on and coming to, uh, to the surface in Hollywood and in politics. And, uh, we had Eric Schneiderman, the, uh, D.A. from the Southern District in New York City get uh, he had to resign the other day because of his uh, horrible behavior. And I decided, like, this is a time where this tip of what we're getting now is I think it's the tip of the iceberg and it's going to be more and more and more. And I thought this is a time for myself, my work and all men to take a step back and listen and learn and see what women have to say, because for too long. Uh, Women have not been treated and been given equal footing to guys, and uh, it's long overdue. And while women have been on, a recently in the last 30 years or so, a very good trajectory in achievement and recognition, long overdue recognition, uh, men are a little bit unsure of who they are and how they're supposed to feel. And so it's a good time for guys to kind of step back and, and really listen. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue with a little bit of our guys, guy chat. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to bring our special guest, Dr. Disoleil out. And then uh, after that segment, we're going to take another break and then we'll do our guys, guys guide of the week. And I'm actually going to make a su- some suggestions about how I think guys should deal with the me too movement You know, a lot of guys out there are good guys and um, they have not been exploitive to women and they have not been abusive to women, either verbally, emotionally or physically. But they're guys and they're going to have to just put up with what's going on because there's been some real bad actors out there and um, the good guys are going to have to be really good. And that means listening and listening and learning and leading. So that's what it's all about. And, you know, you ask, what is a guy's guy? Well, listen, it's not a macho man, but it is a modern day man's man in that guy's guy has casual confidence, unassuming strength, seductive integrity, emotional intelligence, timeless style, and he likes to have fun too. So a guy's guy is somebody that women like and men like. And we hope to bring a positive message on the show and have some fun at the same time. And we've had lots of different guests talk about lots of different issues. And this is the first time we're going to tackle sexual sovereignty. So very quickly, let's go take a quick look around what's going on in the guys, guys world here in New York City. uh, We've had, believe it or not, five days in a row of spectacular weather now. And it's May and it's the most beautiful time in the year. The older I get, the more I love the month of May. It's so beautiful when the trees all of a sudden just explode with life. Um, if you're a sports fan, the New York Yankees, they have uh, won 16 out of their last 17 games, I believe, which is unbelievable for Major League Baseball. That that hasn't happened in I think 60 years. So they're on a real tear, and they just moved into first place. They beat their rivals, the Red Sox, last night. They're playing again tonight at the stadium which is just a few subway stops away from where I live in uptown New York. Um, In the NBA, we've got Golden State playing the Houston Rockets. And it seems like every year, Golden State has to play a really tough team to get into the finals. And then they end up playing whatever team LeBron James is on. And the East is kind of banged up. You've got the Philadelphia 76ers. They're a good team, but they're young. You've got the Boston Celtics. Their top three players are out. Yet they're still up three to one over Philly. So I think it's going to be Golden State versus LeBron once again. And we'll see what happens with that. You've got all kinds of stuff going on in politics where uh, President Trump pulled out of the Iran deal. My personal opinion on that is you have to have some, you know, when you make an agreement, if your predecessor made an agreement on behalf of the country and you have all these other countries that have endorsed it and are part of it. You have to play and work with that agreement. Pulling out of it uh, is going to tell other countries that our word doesn't mean anything because if the president changes every four or eight years, then whatever agreement's made, the next person can come in and just say, well, I disagree. So the agreement's off. And that's been happening. And I think it's a very dangerous uh, behavior because you know, integrity is something that takes a long time to build up, but you can very quickly lose it. And I think we risk that right now. You've also got all the stuff going on with uh, Rudy Giuliani out there now, uh, the former mayor of New York. You've got Trump's uh, lawyer, Michael Cohen. Now they keep finding all these payments from AT&T and Novartis and from Russian people. (laughs) It's uh, wild. And it's interesting, this Stormy Daniels attorney, this whole Stormy Daniels thing is turning into like a tipping point because her attorney, this guy, Michael Avenatti, he is digging up. All sorts of stuff, and he must be driving Trump crazy. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, everybody keeps going back to, well, the economy's good, and that's all that matters. Well, you know, the economy's good. One of the core reasons is that when you corporate taxes from 35 to 21 percent, you initially are going to get some really great results. When you have to pay the piper is when you need money, tax money to fund programs federal programs and now they're digging around looking away what can we cut this can we cut that and uh, maybe we'll cut some regulations and that'll stimulate more business and it's a really you walk a real tightrope with the economy and the country and on uh, uh, americans well-being when you do it that way so we'll see what happens it's exciting you know disruption is good but disruption with uh out real without real maturity and vision is dangerous. So we're going to see what happens there. As I mentioned, Eric Schneiderman, the uh, district attorney from the Southern uh, District in New York, he was a big proponent for Me Too, a representative uh, for women. And now four women have come out and uh, basically said, hey, this guy's a real physical, emotional, and uh, uh, verbal abuser and big, big time. And he's denied it calling it role play which has upset a lot of people also and he resigned within three hours of this so we're going to see what happens as a result of his actions which puts a black eye on him for his hypocrisy and also uh for a lot of other people um we're going to give him the anti-guys guy of the week this week because we give a guy's guy of the week and sometimes we give the anti-guys guy of the week for people who just aren't who are bad actors who aren't doing a good job. So we're going to call Eric Schneiderman the anti-guys guy of the week. So let's take a very quick break, and then we're going to bring our special guest out, our special guest, Dr. Said Disoleil, and we're going to talk about sexual sovereignty. The Guide Guy Radio. Okay, we're back. Welcome back to Guys, Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny. And let me tell you a little bit about our special guest. I have actually have her her on-air introduction, so I'm going to read it. Dr. Saeed Disole wants to live in a world filled with audacious, sexually sovereign women living life on their own terms. As a thought leader and body philosopher, she's published several books, The Emergence of the Sensual Woman and the Illustrious Jade Egg, Which we will discuss, and had her innovative method featured in works by Dr. Christiane Northrups and Dr. Rachel Abrams. After two decades of dedicated embodied professional practice, Saeed is a visionary spokesperson for the sexual sovereignty movement. She's created seven online courses to assist women to successfully embody their sensuality while enhancing their sexual health. Saeed launched her year-long ambassador program for professional women who wish to bring her psychosexual method into their line of work. These ambassadors are part of creative, collaborative, global collective, who are dedicated to the highest standard of information and education for women of all walks of life. Seeing the need to counter the detrimental effects of apathy, she created the Daring Project, a growing online membership of women from around the globe for women who are curious about exploring what it means to claim themselves and be the force of nature they were born to be. Dynamic Platform is assisting women to audaciously move from being a victim to constantly, excuse me, confidently thriving in life. And you can learn more at her website, daretodesire.com. So let's welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Dr. Saida Disole. Good evening. How are you?
1: I am so delighted to be here, Robert. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I love the whole intro. I'm leaning in. I'm like, why didn't I hear this guy before? I got to listen to your show more often.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here. And I think what you have is an important, uh, important uh, words to say that both uh, women and men need to hear. So you have a provocative um, and dramatic uh, personal story. So why don't we start with you know, how you got to be doing what you're doing? What happened?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking that question. I just want to warn the listeners, it's a little intense. Um, so, what happened, Robert, is many years ago, quite a few, a couple of decades ago, is I went to the Caribbean, got together with the island's bad boy, and um, we became lovers. And within that spectrum of time, he um, raped me in, in, in such a violent way that I had to fly back home to Canada go to emergency surgery and um, get diagnosed with about two weeks to live post that event. So it was a very traumatic, scary, confusing event because up until that point it had a healthy connection with sexuality. But it was also a life-changing event, Robert, because it made me choose life. I was told I was going to die by my surgeon, but Mm -hmm. I was like, no way. I want (laughs) to live. I want to live so Uh, what does that look like now, right? And that led me on my journey. That uh, led me to where I am sitting today.
0: Okay. Um, Thank you for sharing. I I had to ask that because I think it provides context, and I'm I'm glad you're okay now, and I feel so terrible that you had to go through something like that. And as a man, it makes me sick. It sickens me when I hear hear about or read about some of the behavior of other men, you know, it's interesting that there's a lot of guys out there who are just good guys. And when we hear about men, you know, masturbating into plants and just using their power and their money to behave really badly or just being angry and uh, aggressively hateful towards women, it's just, it's just horrible. And what it risks is it doesn't not only hurts the person who's the perpetrator, the victim, of course, But it also uh, paints a very bad picture of men in general. And uh, I think uh, it's something that needs to be addressed. Um, You know, I I, I, I just when the whole Me Too thing happened where I was reading about Harvey Weinstein and some of these other guys, Louis C.K. and all that and their behavior. It's like these guys, why can't they get a date? I mean, they have money, they have power and they're famous, yet they resort Mm -hmm. to these uh, misuse of power uh, and it's um, misogyny. Towards women and in, in their behavior what what's your take what's what's the biggest challenge for women right now facing this and what what do you think what's really going on now i mean this has been going on for yeah. a while but it's just coming to uh, light now
1: yeah i mean we have a history of being politically correct and suppressing what's really going on so i think what we're seeing especially of late is a a multitude of voices from many different uh, areas of life, which you mentioned at the start of the call. You know, there's political areas, there's social areas, there's gender areas. There's so many places, finally, that voices are coming forward, and it's very uncomfortable because those voices refuse to be politically correct. So that's, you know, disconcerting in one sense, but actually it's like you said, sometimes we need disruption to create something new. So I think Mm -hmm. the greatest challenge that we're facing is not the coming out and sharing of the story, which can be very difficult for people. It's the what would the world look like if I could live it in a way that I would love. What I'm noticing in my community and a lot of my dialogues is we all know what we don't like. We all know what we don't want. We all know what we're sick of. But very few people I'm hearing, well, then what would you love? What does it look like? And so I'm appreciating you and the show because it feels like you're taking a stand for there are good people. There are good men and women. And what do those good men and women, what would they love? What kind of world do you want to live in? That's the greatest challenge is to actually lean into that and collectively instead of creating more division between everybody, How do we bring ourselves together in this conversation? I think that's one of the probably toughest places right now that we're sitting in.
0: Yeah, with the way society is going now, it's very easy for us. If we want to elevate, let me put it this way, if we want to elevate the collective consciousness, we have to be careful not to get into separate camps and just be judging. Because even something like judging creates separation. And I think we need to be listening. And and uh, putting positive uh, messages out there, and dialogue, and learning, and that's how we raise Mm. the consciousness. Um, What are women feeling right now with all the stuff coming out? Um, They're saying like it's about time. Or or, I mean, what are you hearing? And what's your personal perspective? Is this is this about time? Is this like men or dogs, or is like well, this has to come out because we have to to if we're going to make the changes that need to be made all the stuff has to be outed. And I personally believe that this is the tip of the iceberg. I think there's a lot more coming.
1: Yeah. So I love this question. Thank you for asking. I'm actually hearing many different perspectives. There are, I I polled my community and there's a large, uh, it's like 30% of the women have come out and shared their story openly. 30% (laughs) admit to having a me too experience, but won't share it. They're too afraid to share it. They They don't feel safe yet to speak to it. And 30% actually have never had an experience like that, and they're willing to hear it, but it's also very uncomfortable. So I think with any of these kinds of behaviors, shame keeps it in the dark. So the good Mm -hmm. thing about coming out is we get to eradicate shame and just go, okay, here's the problem. We all contributed to it because it's a societal petri dish, let's say, like society, Mm -hmm. our society, the way that we Mm -hmm. interact, how we value relationship, how we value education around sexuality and relationship has contributed to a climate where we have allowed these behaviors to continue in silence for a very long time. So my personal opinion is that it's fantastic. It, It is time and I also feel like as a society, Robert, maybe you can tell me what you think about this, that we are now in an evolutionary moment where we're maturing sexually and emotionally. That's bound to be bumpy. When you go from teenager to adult, it's not, it's messy. You know? <laughs> There's no direct yeah. path. It's kind of messy and we're all kind of figuring it out. My hope is we can benevolently figure this out. Yes. I'm vulnerable. Yes, it's scary. Yes, I'm a little bit afraid of this or that. And I would love to live in a world where I can connect with men and women and that it's fun and that it's safe and that we're connected. So that's a little bit my opinion, and I'm really curious what you think.
0: Well, no, I agree completely. And my hope is that uh, I'm a romantic, and I just hope that, um, you know, dating should be a fun sport. And I hope that this discussion not our discussion specifically, but this overall discussion doesn't sap the romance out of, um, out of uh, dating and building relationships because, you know, I've interviewed a lot of relationship experts on the show and now they're saying like, you know, people are asking kind of permission, may I kiss you And, and getting things in writing and stuff. And it's like, oh my goodness, you know, that's, it's just like, I understand why, but, oh, it's just like, has it really come to that, that, um, you know, you can't lean in. And if you, if, you know, to me, no is no, whether it's a kiss or kiss goodnight or whatever. And that's it. Cause who would want to do something that the other person doesn't want to participate with? It's like with love. Why would you want to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't love you the same way? Why would you be infatuated with somebody who doesn't feel the same about you at a certain point? You have to say, i it's about self-worth. I'm worth more than that. If this person doesn't value me and doesn't want to be with me, that's fine. I, I There's somebody else. I think a lot of people have trouble coming to their – it's a it's a self-worth issue. A lot of people don't feel worthy. Um, that's kind of where I'm coming from with it. Uh, does that make sense to you?
1: I love it. I love everything you said, absolutely. And so one of the things I want to mention in um, – just to add to that – is women typically are raised to be good girls. And good girls don't disturb the peace. And good girls, when they're very, very young, they're forced to go kiss Uncle Jim or Auntie Betty, even when they don't want to. So they're forced at a young age, they learn at a young age that my boundaries, what I feel is off, it doesn't matter. And I have to maintain this act that everything's okay, even though I'm not feeling good, I'm not feeling safe. And I better shut up because if I complain, I'm going to, you know, be in trouble. So we bring up women like this. This is how we bring them up. So part of the collective, what's happening with women, and it is messy and that we're not all doing it right, and that's okay. It's just part of the growing up process. But we do need to learn. We must teach uh, women, like, what is a boundary? How do you take a stand for it? How do you vocalize it? How do you elicit the help? Like, for me, I've been in situations where it's a bit scary, but I turn to a man who's nearby and I say, hey, this guy over here is really bothering me and it's starting to freak me out. And he's like, don't worry about it. I'll get rid of him for you. (laughs) You know, so how do we learn to not see all men as bad and scary and not good, but to see that men are actually natural protectors. They want to support, they want to help and learn how to um, elicit that help. And, and then also, like you said, it would be lovely to know what we deeply want. And so one of the things I'm not for in the Me Too movement is to demonize men, to make male sexuality bad And I'm not into women abusing the power of the Me Too movement to out someone who's actually not done anything purely from Mm -hmm. a vindictive place because it actually harms the movement for legitimate uh, stories. So those things we need to gain responsibility around how we use our voice and the honesty of that and then also how we take a stand for ourselves.
0: Yeah, and that card in terms of uh, uh, false accusations, that is that is used. That is not uncommon, mm-hmm. and I, I think mm-hmm. that you know women doing that don't are not helping other women because no. it's first of all it's wrong and it's unfair to to the men they accuse, and then it it, it paints a bad brush uh, on on other women. You know when I talk to uh, a lot of uh, female. Uh, Dating coaches, I ask them what's the big issue with when the, with man, men and with women, and w- typically it's like men aren't sure what their role is anymore, which is understandable. Um, but that's you know to me, it's never been a better time to be a man. If you if you you know uh, it's great what ha- what's happening with women. So if you're confident, if you're a guy's guy, it's this. That's it's never been a better time for men to be whoever they want to be. Yet it's never been a time that's less clear who men really are. But if you're a guy's mm-hmm. guy, this is the greatest time ever for a man because women can stand on their own two feet. They're, they're they're not going to pressure you to take care of them for everything. You can be equal partners. They can take some of the stress off of you. It's, it's fantastic, and uh, you don't have to be the aggressor all the time. Um, but I don't know if everybody sees it that way. The other thing that um, a lot of uh, the dating experts are telling me with women, the issue that they have with women are – trying to kind of demasculinize the women when it comes to dating because they have to be so alpha during work hours that they have a hard yeah. time dialing it down when they're dating and it's interesting i remember i went on a date one time this is back 20 years ago even and it was a woman i had met through a friend in business and so we went out and i think we went to a concert and um I took her home and I went back to her place and uh, she asked me to come in for a drink. So I had a drink and I was like leaving. I said, good night. And uh, she literally threw me up against the wall. I'm like, where are you going? And uh, so, you know, I ended up staying there for a while, but uh, you know, if I would have said no, it'd be like, I'm a wimp. So, you know, these are minor things that guys have to deal with, but, women have had to deal with really bad behavior from a lot of guys for, for so so many years. So I think it's mm-hmm. about time that women collectively use this platform and use this Me Too forum to speak out and get their perspectives on the table and demand uh, real respect from men. Um, why don't you tell us about, you, you have a, you're very multifaceted. I was going through all your stuff, and there's a lot of different pieces of it. Why don't you tell us a little bit, just a big picture overview, and then we'll get into some of the components of the programs that you that you uh, promote.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So one of the main foundational pieces that I've come to realize is this idea of sexual sovereignty. So let me explain that really quickly. Sovereignty meaning you're autonomous. You have you're the, your own authority over your body. And this is true whether you're a man or a woman. So it's like a human birthright, let's call it. So there's this premise that this body that you inhabit, uh, it, has, it, it has a space that it exists in, and that space is yours. It's your sovereign space. And what we need to do collectively is start to recognize that because we don't. And, and I add the word sexual because we tend to avoid it. <laughs> you know, if I would just say body sovereignty, then people would just address the body as an anatomical body but it doesn't take into account the fact that sexuality is such a powerful force in a human person's life. So sexual sovereignty is an invitation for more consciousness and a reclamation of this space for each of us. Then within the platform, I work specifically in different directions. So one direction I work in is with women and their pelvic health, hormonal health, sexual health, sexual function, pleasure. There's a whole platform that addresses that. And then there's just even on a more basic level, the platform of confidence. What does it mean to be a confident embodied, sensual, sexual Mm -hmm. woman right now in this climate? And so that's more of a mind shift and a state shift invitation.
0: Is that a big issue now?
1: Oh, yes. I mean, Right now, you know, what fascinates me, Robert, that women really are curious about their pleasure and their orgasm, but they're terrified that if they were to fully surrender to it, that somehow their world would fall apart. Now, why that's interesting to me is that this isn't natural thinking. This is actually a line of thought that's existed since I think the 50s, 60s is sort of when that line of thought started coming in with the women's movement, empowering women. How much liberation should we let them have? Because if Mm -hmm. women were fully liberated, fully expressed in their sexuality, society as we know it would fall apart. This is not my thoughts. These were discussions that were being had behind the scenes. I find it so fascinating that now the modern woman holds that in her mind as a truth for herself. So it's been in the collective mind for a while. And I find that to be incredibly uh, challenging because whatever, however we define our reality, that reality becomes true for us. So on one hand, women, one of their powers is their sensuality is sexuality But on another hand, it's a currency, something that we bargain with for relationship and other things. And because we treat sexuality as a currency, um, we forget that there's a human being and a heart and a consciousness connected to that sexuality. And that globally, I think, is a discussion we need to start putting on the table a little bit more, that sex isn't a commodity, though we treat it that way, and that it is something that is as natural as breathing, and how can we mm-hmm. remember that?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. You know, the last the last uh, dating expert, relationship expert, a, a PhD also um, that I spoke to here in New York, she was telling me something very interesting in that. She said, now what's happened in New York, at least, is that the women aren't necessarily looking for the relationships? They have learned how to compartmentalize things the way men used to, and now men are kind of looking for relationships, and the roles are uh, kind of almost switching a little bit. Have you noticed mm-hmm. anything like that? It, it, it sounds like you're, you know, what you're working with women, and women have these uh, these global kind of overarching issues, and maybe what I'm talking about that's going on here in New York is a very specific. A location-specific issue that might be the tip of the spear going forward.
1: Right. I think New York is a very special climate. I have to say, I absolutely love New York. It's super fun to go there as a woman. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I have noticed um, that the the climate of each area does create a comp- like a social setting. For example, so sometimes you go to an area and you have much men and very like flirtatious women. You go to another area, the women are completely um agro Mm -hmm. men are like diminished little i don't know they don't even exist you know so each climate does have a result like that but i think as a general one thing that's challenging the women is how do i come into my world be successful in my career still be a mom still maintain a sexy relationship and you know all these different things they're juggling with this so they're in the doing mode of life like My to-do list is massive, for example. But they forget that one of their most significant powers, we're actually bioengineered for this, which is really cool, is to receive. Mm -hmm. But when you're living in a city and you're in survival mode and you're in go mode and do mode, it's very hard to take a deep breath and let life in. It's actually a very Mm -hmm. vulnerable experience. And so I think globally women are experiencing that they've forgotten that there's a great power and grace and beauty in the receiving aspect of their nature. Mm-hmm.
0: So is, uh, are women um, not um, in your estimation, they' are not um, accepting their sexuality as they should enough are they like hesitant because of for whatever societal training that they've gotten subconscious training that they're not, they're still not there in terms of um, being comfortable with their sexuality. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. So what I'm saying is the Madonna whore, you know, meme is still Mm -hmm. very alive. And, and so there's conflict on one hand, you are told that you need to be the sex goddess and, you know, multi orgasmic and gorgeous and all. But if you go to claim that you are slut shamed, So it's this weird paradox for women where they want that, they want to be expressed, they want to have their power sexually. But publicly, if you claim these things very quickly, uh, there's slut-shaming that happens. And so that's very confusing to a person who may have a fragile sexual confidence. And by fragile, I mean it wasn't cultivated from Mm -hmm. a very young age. It's like a newer part of who they are. So yes, that is
0: challenging and go ahead. uh, How how do you think porn is impacting this then? Because so many young guys are, have grown up on porn and it's so available. Like when I was a young guy, it was Mm -hmm. like, you know, you waited for the new Playboy to come out and you looked at it in your college dorm room when nobody was around and that was about it. Now it's, it's omnipresent. And it's, from what I'm hearing men are being very unrealistic Uh, In terms of, and if you look at Instagram too, it's like, it's like, I'm not going to say it's pornographic, but it's like, it's a, it's a body show on there quite often. And um, so men have become uh, having these expectations that whoever they date needs to be Instagram model worthy, yet they might be some sloth who sits on the couch and watches the hockey game drinking beer. And it's unrealistic. They're, They're not worthy of what their expectation is and part of that is mm. porn-driven. What's your thoughts on that, Doctor?
1: Yeah, I, I, pornography in the right context is not harmful, but what happens is it tends to replace a genuine capacity to go out and meet people and relate to them as sexual beings, right? So what we're doing is we're staying in the comforts of our home and we're getting all these dopamine highs, and we're reducing our capacity to actually meet somebody that's real, for one, because the instant gratification piece, mm-hmm. and then yeah, so then there's these unhealthy expectations. This is what it looks like, and then there's no foreplay in those things most of the time. Right, right. <laughs> so it's unrealistic, and then female bodies in general uh, respond much more to to connection. In whatever form that is, whether it's you know you're you're sending a poem or a flower or a gift or a beautiful thought or smiling or sharing, I don't know, a a beautiful sunset walk. There's something we we need to transition from work mode and online mode to real in-person. There's a human being with me mode. And I can't just stick my thumb up and go, I like what you just said. Like you literally need to engage. So I feel Mm -hmm. like social intelligence has gone down drastically with this pseudo-connectivity that we have through social media. I say pseudo because... We feel like we're connected, but actually, we're really not. Okay. It's teaching people. Um, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, no, no. Keep, finish.
1: <laughs> so I'm just saying that, that it's teaching people instead of like teaching people to get to know their erotic intelligence, to get to know themselves, to come their own, become their own best lover, and then bring mm-hmm. that as a gourmet offering to another person. We're all walking around like little beggars with a bowl, going, fill my bowl. You know, right, right. Because I deserve it. I'm entitled, you know, whatever the, the, the thing is. So, we really do need to grow up as a collective right now. And, um, and that's a little bit what I'm daring people into. It's, it's the challenge I'm putting out for people. It's like, hey, know, who are you as a sexual being? And what are you bringing to the table? What do you have to offer, whether it is a man or a woman? And are you able to receive that which is being offered?
0: Okay, you mentioned one thing that I, I wasn't sure how to take, and that is um, it's been shared that a man's libido is innately brutal. What do you, what do you think? What is um...
1: Yeah, that, that comes from – uh, that's not me. So what happened was when the Me Too movement came out, it kind of gave permission for extremists to come forward. And mm-hmm. one of the extremist reactions was the only way to make this world safe for women again is to basically castrate all men, which horrified me. And the, the thought behind that was, well, because innately, naturally, men's nature, their sexual nature is brutal by nature. And I completely disagree. I think the way that we bring up boys in this society is what's brutal. When we disconnect them from their hearts and the full spectrum of their emotional nature and the power and potency of their body, we are brutalizing young boys. So so that's why I think that um I don't agree at all with that statement. I think that actually men's sexuality, just like women's sexuality, is a natural and beautiful part of being a human being.
0: Okay. You know, it's interesting because uh I my son he actually today's his fifth birthday and uh we had a party oh. for him the other day and I see him interacting with uh when his T ball team or his classmates or at the parties and well at the playground and I think the young boys are actually more emotional than the young girls, and maybe it's because they are—they explode because they don't—they're not trained on, in terms of how to uh, process their emotions. The way the girls don't seem to get upset the way the boys do. What, what do you think that is?
1: Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing, but I think at large, and maybe because you're a man, you could answer to this, but I think at some point, a little boy will hear from a father figure or the father themselves, man up, or, you know, be a man, or, you know, boys don't cry, or whatever it is that they hear, that's devastating to a young child's heart, because what you're initially saying is, you're not okay feeling what you're feeling, and yet you are a feeling creature. This is part of being a human being is we have a much wider spectrum of emotions available to us than just anger. And yet you're telling hmm. a boy, like the only thing that you're allowed to feel is anger, but all those other things when you're afraid or you're lonely or you're sad, those are unacceptable emotions for the masculine.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's well stated. Uh, tell us about your, the daring project itself. Then how does that work?
1: Yeah. So it's a, it's a project that is global. So I have women literally from all kinds of different countries, walks of life, uh, ethnicities. It's amazing the collective that, that has shown up. And basically the main thing is a, a playful and, uh, connected invitation to what would it be like if you could dare into living your life on your own terms? And for a lot of women, they don't even know how to answer that question. They're like, what? <laughs> what do you mean living life on my own terms? What is that? And so it's a beautiful space where we can talk about absolutely everything. And what I've noticed is in within that context, women's confidence grows, their voice grows, their own integrity and impeccability grows, and their curiosity about what does it mean to be a woman now grows. And that's what I think we need more of in this world is, environments where we can dare into these spaces, where we can be more playful without the elements of shaming and labeling and condemning and feeling like restricted, maybe even with the ideals of the facilitator, for example. Mm-hmm. So I, I always invite women to self-define. I think it's very important to give women the space to define for themselves what it means to be sexual and sensual and powerful instead of they take on Saida's version of that, for example.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so you also, uh, you sell a product called the Jade Egg, and it is actually a Jade Egg. So t- t- talk to us about how how that's deployed and how, how you know, w- why and how and benefits, et cetera. It's would- real jade.
1: It's the real jade. So I work with a nephrite jade mine out of Canada, and they create egg-shaped little pieces of jade that go into a woman's vagina, and it has three layers of benefits. So the first benefits are physical. So if you can imagine that unless you're having a lot of sex every day of your life, this part of your body tends not to be exercised very much unless you have a specific exercise program to exercise Mm -hmm. the pelvic, the layers of the pelvic floor. And Kegels only addresses one layer. It doesn't address the deeper layers. So it's it's an advanced way of uh, enhancing pelvic floor health. And then the vaginal tissue health itself benefits. So, for example, I've had plenty of clients who've had vaginal wall thinning who've been able to um, thicken that wall and make it more resilient and more capable of having pleasurable intercourse. So that's a side effect. There's also the side effect of uh, localized production of hormones, which is very healthy for women. There's a side effect uh, on a physical level of growing neural pathways to pleasure. Like, that's amazing, Robert, if you can think about right. that. That we can is, is, expand is
0: this, that. Does jade is it like versus a crystal or a rose crystal quartz or something like that? Is there some specific properties of jade that um, you know uh, that are that are uh, enhance this? I mean, would the you main use jade. I, of... Yeah.
1: The main the main reason we use jade is it's so tough. It's very very tough. A lot of the mm-hmm. crystals don't have much toughness. So if you drop them, and you will drop them, they're gonna fall on the floor. They tend to smash and crack which becomes Mm -hmm. expensive, and then if there are cracks, those cracks can be dangerous for scratches and bacterial, um, uh, you know, buildup, things like that. So that's why I employ jade, not because it has tremendously magical properties, (laughs) Mm -hmm. although some people claim that, but really it's the toughness uh, of the jade, and it warms quickly to the body temperature, so it's very comfortable to use.
0: Got it. Um, Okay, Uh, what would be... Let's kind of bring it home now. What would be a good tip for women out there? I know you work exclusively with women, but I think you really understand men. So what would be your best tip in terms of today's climate for women? One tip for women, one tip for men.
1: Okay. Thank you. That's so sweet. One tip for women is uh, I want women to understand that they matter. That, that if you exist, you matter. That means your voice matters, taking a stand for your body matters, and taking a stand for your pleasure actually matters. So that's something I would love to see more and more women embrace. And for men, gosh, I love men so much, uh, don't be disheartened. Continue to, like, stand your ground, do the things that make you feel alive and turned on, and learn how to um, maybe articulate in in a more sophisticated way your own needs relationally so that you're not relying on guy talk. You're actually able to communicate really clearly. I think that women are looking Mm -hmm. for that. They also want to find out.
0: Great. Okay. You know, it's interesting when men, uh, men amongst themselves, we don't talk about sex unless something really bizarre happens or something uh, extra, extraordinary. We don't like get into the details about, you know, uh, that men are kind of lone wolves. And it's interesting because I wrote this book, The Guys' Guys' Guide to Love, and it's about two guys competing for love, sex, power, and money. And it's been called the male's successor to Sex in the City. Whereas when you had Carrie Bradshaw and her three cohorts, there's a whole different dynamic. It's much more communal. They share their stories. Mm-hmm. They share their cosmopolitans, and it's. A really different dynamic in terms of how men and women live and what i wanted to do is show this well this is how guys are and you know what this is the truth about how they are and you know what the truth's not that bad so uh it's interesting that you know there is a difference but viva la difference and everybody should be treated equally and with equal respect so i love the work you're doing and uh you you have a unique way of going about doing what you're doing and a great number of offerings why don't you Saida, why don't you uh, take a minute or two and just tell our listeners uh, about any of your projects, uh, any of your products, any of your courses, where they can find you uh, on social media, etc.
1: Great. So let's start with the Jade Egg, just jadeegg.com, And it's lots of free information on there. And also, you if you're looking to get one, you can get one through that page. It's dedicated to all things Jade Egg. Does uh, DARE... Your desire, dareyourdesire.com That's the site for everybody to check that out. Um, and then my name is a little difficult, but you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, I have a YouTube channel, Dr. D-R-S-A-I-D-A, Saida S A I D A, Desile D E S I L E T S and I'll be hard to remember. But if you just put Jade Egg and Saida, everything comes up. Like it is unusual. Fantastic. you'll find me dareyourdesire.com it's been such an honor and a pleasure to be here thank you so much for really being the voice of good men in the world
0: well thank you so much doctor i really appreciate it and thank you for uh articulating everything you're articulating and also for all the good work you're doing and it's been a pleasure meeting you and having you on guys guys radio so thanks a lot
1: thank you so much
0: All right. Okay, folks, that's our special guest, Saida Desilet. Check her out. Um, She has the D.A.R.E. project. And uh, I think the website is, you can just use her name, as she mentioned, and also uh, D.A.R.E. to, what is it? I'm sorry. D.A.R.E.YourDesire.com. So let's take a quick break, and then I'm going to do my Guys Guys Guide, and I'm going to talk about kind of five points about how men should address uh, and behave when it comes to what's going on with the Me Too movement. Okay, so you know what you're listening to, don't you? If not... You're listening to the guy, Guys, guys. All right. We're back on Guys Guys Radio. As I mentioned, um, I'm going to talk about me, too. I wanted to take some time. I want to take at least six months and just listen and read and just see what was happening and see how all the news keeps coming out. And with uh, Eric Schneiderman uh, coming out yesterday, I was like so disappointed because he's been doing such good work. And he was at the forefront of uh, the women's movement, if you will. And yet he is a big schnook in terms of what he's been doing just terrible stuff with women and some of the things they've accused him of and we'll see what happens with that but he he uh resigned within three hours of the accusation so that should tell you something so anyhow if you're a guy you're a regular guy you're a good guy you're a guy's guy you're going to be dealing with the me too movement and you have to be careful so here's my suggestions you guys have to do what you want and ladies may disagree or they may agree but this is what i suggest number one Uh, Take stock. Just be quiet and listen. Listen actively, read, hear what women have to say. Women have a very different experience than men do. Women have been kept down for centuries, for thousands of years throughout civilization. We think like, oh, look, at women are doing so great now. You know what? It's just starting. It seems like it's moving so quickly, but it's taken centuries to get to this point. And in the last 30 years, probably more has been done in terms of progress for women that has been done in the last five centuries combined. So we just have to not, guys, just don't overreact and say, oh my God, these women are taking over everything. Relax. They're not looking to take over. They want to stand at your side. So just be quiet. Pay attention as any guy should in a relationship. I learned paying attention is the number one a man needs to do in a relationship because women pay attention and guys pay attention to themselves. Women pay attention to the little things. So pay attention, hold your tongue, be quiet, don't jump to conclusions. And then do not react to any backlash. There will be some women who are going to uh, take it out on men. Some men are going to be painted with a, a negative brush. That's just the way it is. Open your heart to the truth, your own truth, and set an example. That's what you need to do. Open your heart to the truth, to your truth, and set an example. Be the man that you always knew you were and that you can be. Step up. This is your chance to rise up and be better. And if you are a man of integrity, and if you do treat women respectfully, and maybe you didn't in the past, but you've learned. If you're on the right path, and you're respectful, and you have an open heart, and you keep room in your heart for a partner, then you're going to be recognized. Women will know. They'll notice that you are a good man because they'll pick up on your frequency and your energy and your vibration. So just do the right thing. Be yourself. You don't have to turn into a total wimp on everything. Be a man, but be the best man that you can be. So that's my advice. Agree, disagree. It's up to you. This has been Robert Manny for Guys, Guys Radio. We're going to be back. We have a special Sunday edition. Uh, We're going to talk to dating expert Lisa Concepcion. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. And until then, remember, guys, guys, finish first.